Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Muscle podcast. I am your host, Matt Cooney. This is season two, episode six, either five or six, one of one or the other. I told you I would start getting confused with this. But today we are joined again by Mr. Luke O'Mahony. Luke, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. The sun is shining here for once, so it is well accepted. How are you? Ideal. Have you gotten over, was it man flu? I'm sure you were diagnosed with man flu uh, there recently. I had like ultimate man flu. It was like some viraging or what it was. Maybe I was, it was just flu, but it wiped me, whatever it was. You heard the checking feedback that day and it was white. Like I, I don't know what it was, but it, I was a right off about a week. I'm all good now though. But Luke is back. So this is Luke's third episode with us. So we recorded one on photo shoots and we recorded one on kind of meal plans versus tracking calories. So yeah, if you haven't checked them out, they were if I do say myself, so myself, they were really, really interesting. Uh, so we said we'd have to jump on again and go through another really interesting topic. So something, what we're going to talk about today is like fat loss phases, but what we want to do is kind of go a bit deeper. So like when it's really common that you hear talking about dieting or fat loss phases that, oh yeah, you need to be in a calorie deficit. You need to have patience, consistency, and stick in that deficit for a period of time to see the results you want. But what's often not talked about is actually what goes on inside that diet or inside that fat loss phase, because it is not simple. And there is quite, quite a few things and different phases that can happen while you're dieting. So that's what I want to kind of dig into today with Luke. So the first thing that I want to bring up or I want to ask Luke about is because I've never heard this term before. Uh, well, I hadn't before Luke said it to me, is what he calls the necessary noodle phase. <laughs> yeah, so I think everyone, um, I think males are more susceptible to feed, subjectively feeding it, but I think the necessary noodle phase is a term that I kind of, I suppose, I, I'm definitely not going to like trademark it because it's, <laughs> but like, it's a term I use to describe, I suppose, the transition from, when you start to see some bit of return investment from the fat loss, but you feel like you're kind of within a, a, a transition period of like your, your physique is kind of like, do I even lift? Do you know, you're kind of, you're, you're beginning to encounter like maybe lower degrees of intramuscular glycogen, lower intramuscular triglycerides, but you can also start to see bits of definition coming out that you all, what I call the noodle phase. And I suppose in terms of the me actual like mechanistic and um, quote unquote science behind it is that in terms of, a hierarchy of, or like you usually the way we lose body fat is we will or in in a hierarchy of how our body fat will um lower is that we will look to visceral fat first so the deeper fat around like our organs and our, our deeper layered fat and then it goes to like subcutaneous fat so i think that plays into the necessary noodle phase and that like you it's all if you hear people saying i'm sure you've seen this in check-ins yourself is that oh, i feel leaner this week i feel way leaner you always feel it before you see it and that's because visceral body fat can be utilized as fuel first in lipolysis which is a fancy word for fat loss before subcutaneous fat so you can feel it before you see it and then when that subcutaneous fat is lost then you begin to see that and like, that's kind of like necessary noodle phase not like you might not necessarily see in the mirror that you're looking at but you feel it first and you kind of feel that tighter feeling and that's kind of that necessary noodle phase then which is a bit of a transitional period yeah so if you're one of Luke's clients, don't be surprised if he starts comparing you to me menu items from like Lana or Camille. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, thanks, thanks, Luke. I I'm a noodle. I'm now a noodle. <laughs> Hopefully, it's like udon noodles. They're they're the yeah, thick yeah, ones, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Not those little, it's not those right. little scrawny ones. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's that's kind of I suppose what I had heard before would be like an call it in betweener phase. 
Um, yeah. Well, I don't even know what it's called that. I just called it that. But it's kind of that. I don't like using body fat percentages, but like for guys, if you're talking like 15% down to 10, so kind of like before you get lean and it's like that that feeling of, like you said, it's kind of like, do I lift? It's You've lost the, the fullness feeling, so you don't feel quote unquote big anymore, but you're not lean enough yet. And then when you get to that like 10%, so visible abs type of leanness, it kind of goes and you're like, you get to that point where you're like, doesn't matter what you do, you're, you're lean, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting. Females kind of have that as well, but it's just a bit more up the, the kind of body fat yeah. uh, percentage or, or look. And then obviously there's probably more fluctuations with the female side of it. Like, yeah. would you see that with kind of the noodle phase for female? You probably have another word for females. Yeah, no, I suppose the reason why it's more, it's more linear to project in males, I suppose, is the, the consideration of females. Then as the menstrual cycle comes into effect, because I mean, like there's maybe subjectively, depending on the female, there's going to be a week, maybe two weeks in a month where she maybe feels a bit more attention. So that could be something that could be just in a cyclical fashion all the time. Hmm. yeah so kind of moving on to the next point that i wanted to bring up is with fat loss phases that they're all they're going to be different and like we've talked about this every fat loss phase or diet you do will will change and it's something sometimes i think people are surprised by that because i often get people who will like even chat and it's kind of like oh yeah i've done this before i'll just do this again whatever it is their calories or the way that they, they dieted and they can expect the same kind of result where would you find that? And like, obviously for, for us coaching a lot of people, we can see firsthand, like how different it is every time you go through a, a diet. Like, Yeah. So <clears throat> I suppose that's where it, it comes down to that. The, the perception is, is that the, because the outcome and the desired goal is the same, that surely the principles and process has to be the same, but it, like, it couldn't be far from the truth that like, I think we were saying this when we were chatting to you, but like every single time you date is a completely new exposed process. And like the classic case of this is like, again, just like, you know, the, the, would you go up to your aunt's house now, or like the classic Irish aunt, like who, or your buddy that you might've heard, like who maybe might be older than you, or a family member to be like, oh, I remember back when I was 18 and I was 12 stone, I used to do this and I used to get, you know, fairly, I used to, I used to be in great shape, so I'll do that again. And then it doesn't work. And they're like, oh, what happened? It's just like, because again, obviously as you go, as you get older, components of metabolism change and circumstances change, adapting change. But the, every single time you go through fat loss phase, the principles are always the same. Calorie deficit, monitoring sleep, high protein, um, sufficient resistance training, all the same things are applied. But how they take effect is very different every single time you go through that process then. Um, I think that's something that psychologically can be hard to accept. Like I know definitely for myself, I found before that like at times I've lost body fat a lot easier. At times I found it a lot difficult and I could be doing the exact same thing. I might have to diet more aggressively. Other times I might get away on higher calories. And it depends, I suppose, on numerous different factors where you're at right then. It's not in comparative circumstances if, if it's a different time in your life, different environmental aspects. And also a huge thing then is where you were leading up to that fat loss phase and how you set yourself up for as well. Yeah. And that's something I've been saying a lot lately is like principles don't change. People do. Yeah. And that's where, you know, when we sometimes we're very prone to wanting answers or wanting like it to be like, this is X, Y, and Z. It's like, you know, I eat this calorie amount. I lose this much weight. This is the, this is the outcome. Whereas like, you know, where you said about metabolism and life in general, we're, we have to recognize we're constantly in a state of flux. So that means like we're never the same. We're always changing, whether we, even whether we know it or not, 
you're constantly adapting your metabolism is is adapting your brain is adapting to its environment and life so you know this is where understanding we're not robots we can't just pencil in these numbers and figures and then have this kind of outcome that would be easy and i suppose for us it's probably a a good thing because the robots are not going to take our jobs <laughs> as much as they're trying to they're not yeah so the next point on that and it's something kind of leads into it so now like understanding that you know every diet you do will change and different things will happen i think something that everybody needs when it comes to dieting is delayed gratification so it's kind of putting in the work now to see the result later because there's often like everybody will experience this where you're doing the right things and like you said sometimes the body just doesn't respond or or it is but you can't see it yet and it's just having that delayed gratification because a lot of people will that's what will stop them because they don't see that instant change or because they're doing these even the right things you know that when they don't see the outcome straight away they either think they're doing something wrong think they're failing and then they ultimately kind of give up you know do you see that with delayed gratification being kind of a key component of it yeah i suppose like i mean if you're to like it it, it i suppose it's and depending on the clay i think like if we're to label like let's say just a very arbitrary scale of like one to five like one being a complete beginner and like five being very advanced i think the stage one complete beginner and stage five very advanced usually um find it most difficult to get the later gratification because with the stage one beginner there's a lot of habitual change there's a lot of adaptions or you're changing fiber intake food choices nutrient timing training stimulus and it can take a while for that all to regulate out and adapt to get to, to a new homeostasis for the advanced like maybe that 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 adaption can come because they're already in routine so that that can that can come quicker but it's the in between is where is it's the in between where why i suppose um it, it can be a bit more psychologically hard to accept that like it's definitely quicker than like within the gaining phase because of the gaining it's very very delayed gratification but it's 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 kind of like that um it's that uh, like that picture that always comes to mind to me is like you ever see the picture of like the miner and he's like yeah. digging away and like he just stops and turns back before he hits the diamond it's kind of like that's yeah. always in that like you know it can be and then there's also there's, there's many kind of layers to this i suppose and that like it depends on what type of um metrics you're using the scales obviously comes to mind and that like that might not move visual comparison might so then we have to you know look at removing the scales just going on visuals different tape measurements and stuff but i think definitely no matter what if it's but like i always like i think we spoke with this on the, the last podcast is like there's an inverse relationship between speed and sustainability so i think that the more you chase speed the less sustainable it can be, the more you chase sustainability, the slower it needs to be. So like, it's just about meeting between the two and that thing goes back to the later gratification of kind of playing that longer game. Yeah. And it's funny that kind of image you said, I, I've sent that to clients so many times because it's, it's, uh, it sums it up perfectly yeah. uh, because sometimes as well in your head, you, you know that, but like when you see that and it's like the guy chipping away and it, the goal is right there, but he can't see it. It actually does. I've, had it where it kind of clicks with a lot of people and it's like i just need to keep going yeah 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 so the next one the next kind of point sorry no you're grand i think i think a huge i think huge part as well as that they can be so focused on the outcome all the time like it's just like especially i find this with beginners as well maybe yourself in that like when okay i'm signing up i've holidays in a few weeks 
I'll do anything to get there. The outcome is that, and they, it completely takes away from the process. They might have much better energy. Their nutrition choices could be more independent and confident. They could be exercising a lot more, feeling better, clothes be fitting better, and they will completely be blurred vision for just wanting that quantifiable base goal of scales and just waiting for that and waiting for that that it takes away from what they are doing that are huge wins then. So like in that, I suppose, perspective it's always going to be delayed when in reality when you change your perspective and what is instant it can seem like it, it's providing some benefit as well yeah and that's kind of like the perception yeah that people you're you're kind of just it's not it's not even delayed it's there but you can't see it like you're saying it's just you're looking the wrong you're looking left when you should be looking yeah. right so that's and i think that's part of the next point is like how dieting is a learned skill so a lot of what we've already talked about you know we didn't just pick it up off the ground it was actually experience and learning and i think that's a big part that people kind of forget that like the way i put it sometimes is you know people kind of get very are very hard on themselves when it comes to dieting like even if they fail or they go off track or whatever and i always put it like you know if you had a child and he goes in and is learning his times tables like and he comes home he can't do it you're not going to be like ah you're you're a failure pretty much just stop give it up <laughs> you're never getting it no you're going to tell him to go go back again try again you'll get better over time you'll learn and then you know a year later he's flying it so but i think we just don't take that approach to dieting we we kind of think like it's not a skill it's just this is what it is it's like black and white you either can do it or you can't when realistically it's just a process that you continuously i like i keep learning you know you keep learning so there is, I think, that part of it that if people can take that mindset towards it and understand, like, even with the skill, some people are better than others. Like, some people have a higher skill to diet. Um, and that's just life, you know, same thing. I'm not good at certain things. Doesn't mean I can't get better. Doesn't mean I can't actually complete them. But it's just understanding that. Would you find that kind of, that you yeah, see that yeah. a bit as well? I think like every single time you go through dieting phase, like you pick you pick up little kind of like tips, tricks, and I suppose what I would I suppose label as like logistical setup tips and like how you can manage deficit better because like you can apply a deficit and you can make it you can like this is something I always go for clients is are you making the application of deficit as easy as possible on yourself? Simple thing and this all relates back to I think huge into the last podcast we did in that like tracking versus meal plan. This is where like how you apply the deficit comes into account. Um Joy even put on my story yesterday I had a client yesterday who's deeper in the fat loss phase at the moment. So I took her off an undulating approach of calories and training rest day and put her onto the same calories every day because she's a busy life. She has three kids. Her calories get lower. There's no massive unique benefit to having an undulating approach. So the simple shifting like stopping her calories from training and rest there where she's different targets to the same calories every day might be a massive transition for her into more practicality practicality equals adherence and adherence with consistency over time gets results so like logistically how you set yourself up for that deficit and how you apply it um, is a skill and that's a skill that obviously having a coach can help apply that skill but it's something that the more you go through it you can learn relative to application to your lifestyle how the management of that deficit can get further efficiency then yeah and, and i think that's like you said about the levels as well as like one to one to five. I always think of that as like, you know, as different levels may require a different approach. And that's the thing, like when you're at that kind of beginner level, your fat loss diet may literally just look at like, stop eating some of the crap foods that you've been eating and walk a little bit more, drink some more water, go to bed on time. Whereas when you do get to that more advanced, you do. And like you said, like even you go deeper, you may just have to get, more strategic with your approach you know because now 
just drinking water and you know being mindful isn't going to work for you so it's just kind of recognizing that and i think that's where the whole process like you said like learning over time and often as well it's i find it nobody is that far away it's like they're they get to that point and it's like actually if you just go this direction instead of that direction like it's just one little like you said just changing the approach slightly mm. usually will really benefit in terms of that that adherence that long-term adherence yeah so with that the kind of next thing i wanted to touch on is re- a really common thing and it's just people who fall off track with their fat loss and something i see a lot and probably you can relate to is basically motivation and adherence so when you start a dieting phase most people are going to be more motivated and in turn adherence is usually higher but what i find with everybody is there comes this kind of point in the the diet and it's i don't can be different for different people but somewhere it could be two weeks or six eight where your that motivation that you had starts to dip and adherence dips with it and this then obviously can lead to where a lot of people just give up or they completely fall off track would you find that with within a dieting phase yeah so i think like i mean there's that kind of i suppose that that cliche term of like you know discipline has to take over motivation all that stuff and that is true to some element but i think the mo- motivation like i mean when you start the dieting phase transient motivation is going to dip so like motivation size you know you get like your your new calories you get like your your meal plan or your training or whatever you get your intro pack you're, you're ready to go when you pair that transient motivation with it what's what, what's called like a temporal landmark so a, tempo, a temporal landmark being something like um a holiday in 12 weeks or a birthday or a wedding that temporal landmark can actually increase the transient motivation even more but eventually it will fade so when that fades then is when it relies back in self-discipline but i think what you what hugely can help with self-discipline is how you set the framework of your approach up so that self-discipline requires less effort so i mean like if you have you know a meal plan that foods that require um a high barrier of cooking you know like they take a long time if you have um you're checking on a day whereby it doesn't suit you at work and it's stressful if you um are not setting yourself up with sleep like you can make again the application of that deficit so that you don't need to rely on self-discipline as much and it becomes more autonomous so when it becomes more autonomous when motivation eventually does dwindle it's still second nature to some degree and it doesn't require as much effort or um, I suppose as much exercise of willpower to then execute the necessary tasks or habits to still get that momentum. Yeah. And I think kind of expectations are really <coughs> important in that as well, because sometimes the problem is we see this when you start and you everything is flying it. The expectation is, oh yeah, this is like I've held in 12 weeks. This is the way it's going to be. When you know we know in reality there's no possible way. Like life gets in the way, things happen. And yeah. when you have that expectation you're more likely and then the reality doesn't match it that's where you're more likely to get frustrated demotivated and you know what i always i like to use a framework of like awareness decision action so first thing is awareness so if they it, a lot of people are just unaware that that actually happens and that's kind of the point of this podcast is to understand that it's normal so like you know you probably experience this where people have have been flying and have a bad week or something and they feel so like as if they've murdered someone it's like oh everything i've ruined everything you know and it's like no actually that was probably always going to happen but it's so it's creating that awareness around it and then the next one is a decision it's like okay what do you do now because you can eat like it's very easy to just go oh yeah it's over like and hit the effort button but this is where you have to have the decision to okay i'm going to keep going or 
I need to change X, Y, and Z because, you know, what was flying it for me in week one now is different, you know, like yeah. it could be something simple. It could be like, oh yeah, actually now I'm working 10 extra hours in the week. So I can't do, like you said, with food prep and I can't, I don't have the time to prep or work out. And that's where like you take the, make the decision to change. And then the action is you actually have to implement it then because like we know we all have great intentions we say things but you have to actually do it to see the outcome yeah like i mean with, with fat loss to, to make fat loss as successful as possible like when i'm either setting a client over to get the absolute best results whether it be you want to get like die shredded or just leave for holidays ever to get the absolute best results when i'm doing a client setup or when i'm doing a client checking who's already in fat loss phase like there's multiple things I'm looking for in a check-in. Okay, I'm identifying what can we work on for this week? What didn't go well this week? Where are gaps that they can work on? But ultimately, especially fat loss, I'm looking for how can the application of the principles we need to get the result become as easy as possible in their lifestyle relative to, and this is where it all relates back to getting an intake form, you know? So gathering information you need into their daily routine, their demands of their environment, kids, work, stressors, and background dieting history, current relationship with food, and biological stressors, menstrual cycles, sleep, digestion, everything. And then you're looking to relay that back onto how you generate the framework of your approach into simple things like it could be even where they shop for their food, how they cook their food, how many meals they have in a day, what day they check in, like I said, and what measurement forms they take or forms of assessment, everything relates back into how am I making the application of the deficit so that it can be done as consistently as possible, as easy as possible, but still keeping the basic principles in place without making it too convenient. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really good point. And it is essentially just trying to make things easy for yourself. And exactly. that's where knowledge and awareness and experience can be your best friend, you know, because if you've been somewhere before, you understand how to get there and what's involved. Whereas, you know, if, if that's where for a lot of people, when this stuff is new, it, it is quite difficult because you haven't experienced it before. Yeah. So that's where like the, the whole process and is important and kind of just, I think, understanding and becoming more aware of these things. So something I wanted to touch on with that, that I think maybe people are unaware of is like the individual response to dieting. Would you see that like a huge variance in people's responses to a fat loss diet? Yeah. So it's been, or I, that wasn't English. Um, I suppose, um, I don't know what I meant to say there. I subpoena, I just made up my own words. So we'll take that. <laughs> uh, so I am, um, I suppose with individual responses, it, there, there's multiple components to that. And it does go back to the previous point of how you set it up, but there's also, <coughs> excuse me, there's also an underlying genetic influence, of course, to some degree as well, different components of metabolism, different, um, uh, underlying, I suppose, um, degrees of muscle mass. Uh, the biggest one overall, like even like if you look at like research, although like, I don't like to quote research too much, like because in application and theory is very different things. But in terms of like actual, we need to have we need to have some understanding of the science of it. Like the the varying discrepancy of like metabolic regulation or the varying discrepancy of underlying metabolism is not that much. Like in terms of like you know people always say like oh the more like this is something I believe for so long the more muscle you have the more calories you burn it's minimum you're talking like two to 2.3 calories per kilo body weight per hour type thing it's not that significant to the point that it's going to get you shredded the biggest difference that comes when people achieve fat loss more successfully is in like directly mechanically in, in terms of physically it's just how much they move it's down to hugely down to neat 
whereas people think it's down to metabolism and people think it's down to BMR and it's actually huge down to NEAT. It's non-exercise activity thermogenesis plays a massive role in the discrepancy of how much more they can <clears throat> manage and apply a deficit, um, which then relays back into obviously the ease of dieting because they can diet on higher calories and maybe they don't feel as fatigued from it and then of course there is individual adaptions to dieting of like adaptive thermogenesis and where people you know get like quicker adaptions to dieting you might need to drop calories quicker and stuff like that as well yeah and i think with that individual response yeah i think it's people were sometimes quick to be like oh my metabolism has changed when i i find like you said that the biggest factors is actually the external ones like sleep, stress, your life, yeah. um, your mental health often, they have the biggest impact, I think, more so than your metabolism. Because, yeah, like you said, it doesn't necessarily change a huge amount no. over, over time. You know, it's more the other factors, I think, that contribute to, you know, how efficiently everything in your body is running, but then how much you can actually adhere. And, and like that, even with NEAT and how much you move, Again, if you're highly stressed, your digestion is off, your sleep is off, you're actually not going to move as much even subconsciously because that brings it down. So it's not like your metabolism. It's just the, your, the whole life, everything going on in your life is kind of accumulating to what's happening, you know, inside that response to dieting. And like, I always think body is trying to create the phys physiology is trying to, I suppose the best way I think about it is that you're, you're, your body is trying to create as much efficiency as possible. And we're trying to, we're trying to become, we're trying to create a state of inefficiency in a way because efficiency from a fat loss perspective is your body conserving energy because obviously it's not getting enough exogenity. It's not getting enough calories in. So it conserves like, you know, rates of, and if you like, and we, I think we spoke about this again, off podcast. Another thing is that like super, like you were saying one day, one check in there yourself, like that you found yourself just like leaning more against stuff when you were shopping, you know, like subconscious things like that. I mean, like even blinking goes down the rate, which you breathe goes down and all of those things, which you wouldn't even notice, but until you start bringing calories back up, you might just get a bit more pep in your step. But, um, the, the dietary adaptions that like we're just trying to create a state of inefficiency in a way so that we can keep a deficit in line so that those adapters don't kick in too much that we have to then resort to dropping calories more because the ultimate goal for fat loss really is to have the calories the highest as possible for as long as possible while still achieving a sustainable rate of loss and a decent rate of loss because like and that's goes against the thought process what every single client thinks they send up which is I'll go as low as I can, as quick as I can. But like the goal should always be to keep them as high as possible because that way, not only do you prevent those adaptions kicking in more, you elongate the sustainability of the process and you give yourself more carriers to play down the line that you can then drop from when those adaptions do kick in. Yeah. And I think like even we were saying about individual responses to dieting, what we've both probably seen as well is the actual same person having different responses to dieting over time. So it's not even just like me and you being different. It's actually me being different now than I was a year ago. And I, even in our diet right now, you know, my calories are lower and cardio is higher than I would have, quote unquote, said if, I, if you told me like what it was, uh, what I should be dieting on, I would go higher. But it just hasn't been, you know, and it's just one of those things. And I, I find it really interesting. And it's probably something for coaching that is enjoyable is seeing the, the differences. But something that I think about is, sometimes we coaches and people with lots of experience forget like I've seen thousands of people. So all the things that we see are, it doesn't kind of surprise us. Whereas if you take the average person, they're only taught, they've only done it themselves. So they're only 
looking so you, you can see how they wouldn't know like this is nothing is wrong you know or nothing is different it's just every time is different and like i've even had people like some you'd probably get it as well like some diets just really surprise you like i've i just remember one girl sticks out it's like 20 week diet for a photo shoot was like eight weeks starting calories steps nothing changed for the first eight weeks just lost linearly took a diet break again another eight weeks linearly like literally did absolutely nothing got to the to a point i think 17 weeks started to reverse into a shoot she was in like uh stage shape and i was like what's happening here like this is insane <laughs> and i was yeah. like i had to say i was like you know this isn't normal like this doesn't usually happen you know and then you have other people um on the the other side that need constant changes constant adjustments you know that just because of again the different adaptations and the things that happen but it's i, I find it funny yeah just how different the process can be for different individuals yeah yeah i think that that's a it's it, it's it's interesting to see that like we i suppose we proactively plan for an outcome but we don't we can always never dictate if that outcome is going to arrive when we expect it or how we expect it and that's where by i firmly believe even though coaching i've always said it like especially with gen pop people but even more advanced and that like it has like it's refined instinct based on reaction you know um like it's a fine instinct paired in your decision making paired with reactive decisions based on your assessment because you can you can plan for all these things but sometimes the, the ball sometimes physiology doesn't play ball sometimes it plays ball more than you're expecting so then that's where by your fighting instinct pairs with i suppose experience paired with knowledge comes with a reactive decision based on how the process goes yeah and that's a big part because like you it's not like you shouldn't plan like you can plan and yeah. you shouldn't i always say it to people like i like i always use it as a template i'm like this is a template it's not going to go the way we I'm putting out here. It might, I might be magical, but uh, this is my prediction. Usually it's not fully right, but it's about like responding then and, and then kind of constantly like a sat nav, just constantly redirecting it back onto the right course. So you kind of mentioned there about some of these like adaptions or ad adaptations that happen to dieting and especially as suppose prolonged dieting. Um, I think that's another thing that I'd like to touch on because some people don't realize, you know, like the longer you diet, things happen, like it gets harder. And there's a reason it's not just because you can't stick to your plan anymore or your food. There's like you said, the body is not built for this. It's built to yeah. survive and conserve energy. So it does things in response to that yeah. deficit. So do you want to kind of touch on the main ones that you kind of see with those? Yeah, so I mean, this is what like the this all goes back to like when people like if we if we didn't have what's known as adaptive thermogenesis, we'd be able to diet in a deficit on the same calories all the time. So this is why we drop calories. This is why when you diet, you need to you start higher and you go lower. This is like all explains this. So it's what's known as adaptive thermogenesis, which basically means that as you stay within the deficit for longer, as that deficit gets bigger, and as really you get lighter and lose body fat, your body tries to create more efficiency by conserving energy that's what's known as adaptive thermogenesis adaptive thermogenesis happens in multifactorial ways then so the few main ones would be um your bmr your metabolic rate does go down but not enough that people think it influences so your your, your metabolism will down regulate some bit to conserve energy especially as you get leaner obviously like where you are right now, John, let's say like that, that, that's when you're, when you're, when you're getting properly lean, that would, that would come into effect. And then there's also, I suppose, indirect means of, and another direct way then is obviously as you consume less food, 
the thermic effect of feeding, which is the calories you burn and utilize in metabolizing and utilizing that food goes down. Because when we eat food, we get what's known as diet-induced thermogenesis. Our core temperature goes up to break down that food. Our gastrointestinal tract uses more calories to break down that food. We need to absorb that food through the, our um, gastrointestinal lining. That all takes energy. So when we get less calories and less food volume in, that energy also goes down. And then the biggest one is, um, I suppose, eat and eat, exercise activity thermogenesis and non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So the calories you burn in exercise do go down quite a bit as well um, from lower, lower intramuscular glycogen and glycogen availability from being at a lighter body weight because when you're lighter, you, can, you burn less calories relative to unit of mass. And then also the biggest one is the neat side of things. It's that subconscious movement goes down, breathing rate goes down, blinking goes down, fidgeting goes down. Um, and this is where you always see people who are more hyperactive, like they're they're more um, maybe extrinsic and they're out there and they're hyper. They will usually be able to, nine times out of 10 diet easier because they are spurning so much subconscious energy. So these adaptions kick in more and more as you get lighter. And this is why eventually we're trying to beat the adaptions by providing a further deficit. And um, this is why it is handy to, measure your steps this is why it is handy to you know program cardio in based on duration intensity so that you can standardize all these means so that when these adaptions do kick in you're still providing a way to beat the adaptions and stay within deficit this is also where that very popular thing came in recently of the weighted vest if you've seen everyone like you know on instagram look going around like during a swat team with a weighted vest on it's because they're, they're like, and like it's it's it, it's it became so popular because um it's, it's a way to beat adaption. So like the, the top also in this, like if you have a hundred kilo male and he drops down to 90 kilos, if you add a 10 kilo weight of Vespa on, you're still walking around burning the same calories as the hundred kilo male. So you're beating those adaptions in a way in that like if you also increase steps with this, the amount of calories you're burning during rest are beating the amounts. Usually you can diet on a bit more or it's a means of eliciting a deficit easier. Um, and then when these adaptions kick in, I suppose, more and more that's when we then deploy certain strategies and tactics in the dieting phase to try offset them or mitigate them as much as we can yeah and it's funny you said about the vest i don't know i've seen that it's like a trending lately i don't know i was on tiktok or something i watched one of them and i'm not joking my feed was just weighted vests for like a day and i'm like what is going on in the world that this is now the the topic of conversation yeah, yeah but yeah no so i think everything luke explained was essentially what is what's happening is your body is trying to get you to burn less energy. And then the, on the, the other side of the spectrum, something else kind of happens with hunger is you become, so your body is trying to get you to burn less energy and it's trying to get you to eat more and yeah. to seek out more energy. And this is where hunger will increase. And you know, your hunger hormones, leptin and ghrelin tend to move the opposite direction. So now you're not as full and that you're, you can't get as satiety, the same satiety and you tend to get hungrier so again you can see from both spectrums you're getting your body wants you to eat more and move less and that's where like not problems it, that's why it gets difficult you know and that's i think just understanding that can give you a bit of just make maybe not make you feel so bad <laughs> know why like the line that's why you can't die forever like you said why we don't die essentially which is yeah. actually a really positive thing. <laughs> yeah, that is not a good call. Let's not do that. <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to kind of touch on is kind of you mentioned about the setups. So something I see a lot with people is when you're setting up a fat loss phase is people tend to, I find like two groups. I don't know, do you, are you the same? But one group is like, 
a rocket ship. They're like accelerators, like they're just straight out of the bat and they're on it. The other is like a slow burner. It takes them a while to get into it. Um, and I think I just find it funny because it's it's something I see all the time. Like even myself, I think I'm a bit more of a slow burner. It takes me a couple of weeks to just get into the, the flow of things. Um, is that something you'd see a lot with people? Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, absolutely. I mean, like it, 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 I think a huge factor into that is where they're starting off with as well. Do you know, I think that, like, like for example, if someone comes to me and they have a lot of body fat to utilize as stored energy, I'm going to place them in a large deficit. Do you know, because I'm not going to be dropping down 100, 200 calories a week. I'm going to put them in a large deficit just to get things moving. Um, whereas someone who's already starting from a leaner position. Um, it might, yeah, you might get like, but it, 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 you could have, you could get two people who start from the same experience, same background, same level of body fat, same habitual understanding of everything. One might just adapt a lot quicker to the other, you know. Um, so it, it depends on the individual have in front of you, and that's whereby I think start for everyone initially starting a bit more conservatively is a good idea to gather that data and awareness so that you can then make the calls down the line into okay, I know I have that green light to make that drop, or I know that that drop is needed. Mm. And I think another good point is knowing, like kind of having a timeline, so knowing around how long you're going to die and then knowing, okay, if you're going to take an aggressive approach, like, you know, if you can't just keep sprinting a marathon. So you need to know, okay, if I'm going aggressive starting out, that's not going to last too long before we're going to have to do something like, I don't know, take a diet break or whatever. And then if we're taking the more moderate approach, that's where like, okay, yeah, we can go maybe a bit longer and then also know like, oh yeah, we can actually drop a bit more or make these more changes. Whereas again, if you're going to be aggressive and, you know, even if you're going to use all the tools straight away, there's not too much, you know, you might have a little bit, little, one or two things you can do, but kind of understanding that when you first go about it um, can be really beneficial because what you don't want again is having, using all your tools in your toolbox and you're at a point where I'm, I'm done now what can I do and this is where people just get stuck in that like perpetual dieting where they just you kind of diet forever but you're not dieting kind of thing yeah, getting anywhere yeah exactly but yeah I suppose to sum this up if we could kind of give a few kind of key points or key considerations for your fat loss phase what would you kind of recommend for the listeners so I suppose having previously gone through a fat loss phase is going to stand to you but that doesn't mean that like you need to have done it before to diet like that's because you obviously have to start somewhere um so learning i suppose logistically setting yourself up soundly can really help so like not just like so like we spoke with like the lin linear versus undulating approach like okay training rest day or same calories every day you know it's not just like here's the deficit and do it it's like how you set the deficit up to manage it as efficiently as possible. I think also what's quite important is the relative amount of the deficit. So being a bit conservative at the start, which, you know, the three to 500 calorie thing, I will always generally like make out of clients like TDEE calories. And, and I probably just pick them in a very conservative, like just conservative deficit, if even maintenance, because if, especially if you're starting, who you're basing their calories off their current activity level, now you also have to base it off what they're going to be doing. They're going to be utilizing more calories. So, I mean, if, if you're someone who's if you're someone who's already had a good experience you've died before you can pretty much kind of hit the ground running and like you can start in a large deficit and get going if you're someone who's like let's say it's it's maybe your first rodeo or like it's your first time taking it a bit seriously you have to consider how 
seriously, I suppose, how much work is also put into the habitual side of things, the application of that deficit, the, the time it takes, the, again, cooking aspects, food aspects, learning the different, and, and a huge thing as well is like psychologically and physiologically getting to terms and understanding the adaptions that take place, knowing what it's like to actually feel hungry, know what it's like for food focus to come up. Where is that food focus going up and how is that playing into your environment? Um, so learning all these things as a new stimulus as well is something that shouldn't be underestimated. Um, I think having a realistic time frame, like we spoke about, having a proactive plan is time that you're going to diet, but being reactive in the actual application of that. So like, mm. like I will always, for every client that comes on board, say, right, this is the projected timing that we're going to plan to diet or this is the projected timeline nine times out of ten it doesn't go to that exact plan you know because life happens and like okay if i get to the original time stamp or if i plan to diet too and i see there's plenty more left in the tank okay i'm going to push it on i'm not just going to stop there and leave progress on the table or if it comes to before that and i see some adaptions kicking in and external life stresses have kicked up and maybe there's some mental exhaustion i'm going to put in maybe deploy a diet break or refeed earlier this is where that refined instinct kicked in but it's good to have a landmark in terms of coach and client's perspective of where you're going and a lightness site um but being reacting that like that's provisional it's it's all provisional um and i think is a huge part as well is like i think we spoke with this on the, the photo show as well is kind of environmentally how, how you set yourself up for it you know your peer group and um social occasions all that comes into account um all that has to be taken into consideration for i suppose the application of deaths as well what would you feel would be also added to that yeah, so I really like the being proactive and reactive. So proactive in the beginning and then reactive as you go. And I think that's a big one is when you do that, you can manage your expectations much better. So if you understand that the process inside it, it's going to be different over time. It's going to be, you know, good, bad, indifferent, everything. And if you can manage your expectations of it and then use that delayed gratification, so know that, times where you know you won't have a good week or there's times where you put in the effort you don't see the return but if you keep going and you keep applying the principles it's going to pay off you know and then my big ones would be then learning from it so just take it as everything is feedback that's the way i like to look at it is every time you diet whether it's good bad and different like i've had phases that didn't go to plan again i could have kicked kicked and screamed but all I do now is like, okay, that was, this is where I went wrong. The next time I diet, I'm not going to do that. Or I'm going to try to, you know, take a different approach that counteracts what I did wrong. And then being able to adapt as you go. I think that's probably the most, most important thing because yeah. it doesn't matter how much even knowledge you have on it. Like everything we spoke of today, you could take that all in and it's still doesn't happen exactly like we explained or it doesn't it will be different so you need to be able to kind of have all the knowledge have the tools and just adapt as you go and I think that's the way you know you will be successful in in the long term if you can if you can do that yeah, I think a huge part of it as well is that the the best way I could wrap it up I suppose is that fat loss is extremely extremely simple in theory like what it takes to get fat loss is extremely simple like we all know like any coach of any experience or any knowledge could generally get someone quite lean with just implementing the principles but it's not easy in application and that's where coaching in terms of anecdotal observational knowledge knowledge and, and instinct all comes into 
actually applying the principles so that it, it is very simple in theory but it's not easy in application and applying all those different principles and you know linear versus undulating approach the rate of the deficit you know how many meals the client has what day they check in how 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 long you're projecting the timeline taking all that into account and what strategies you're going to deploy when you're going to deploy them all that comes down to the aspect of knowing the underlying principles that are needed but applying them and playing your cards based on understanding the client and what you've been exposed to or maybe experienced before then yeah no 100 i think hopefully now the listeners have got a lot from this um obviously we went through quite a lot of stuff um but really just try to take the kind of principles of what we're saying and i think if you can even yourself going forward through any future dieting phases just have some of this stuff in the back of your mind that you you have a better to you know you have a better understanding of it and you will definitely will definitely help you going forward so luke i want to thank thank you for taking the, the time out of your day to join me again i'm sure you're going to start blocking my number uh, but <laughs> I'll, I'll have to um i'll have to try and trick you into getting you back on sometime yeah 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100% there's a good bit of value in these and i enjoyed you know so it's a nice way to put out some contextual like content that like it's not just like statements it's actually like getting a chance to go through it a bit more and people hopefully get to understand it a bit more and take more away from it rather than just like doing instagram posts which certainly has its strengths as well but it just it, as we said like you can't get much behind it and um, so it definitely has its benefits yeah and that was the goal that's like why i wanted you to come on and that's the goal of this whole podcast is to give people kind of a deeper insight into all the different areas that go into this crazy game that we're in for some reason <laughs> but guys if you enjoyed that i uh, would really really appreciate it if you could like subscribe share comment do all that good stuff every single one of them really helps us and if you haven't if you do want to get in touch with luke i will leave his stuff in the show notes i think it's called <laughs> and uh, he's you've already been on you hopefully you've watched the other episodes so you'll know yeah. where to reach out to luke as well so, guys, we will love you and leave you. Have a great day. And thanks again for listening.